On the morning in question, Shapiro was avoiding the bus. She didn't like getting on the bus and riding with the other children. Some think she may have been bullied while riding the bus, or she could have just enjoyed taking that walk to school. When she left the house that morning, there was no reason for Shapiro to feel like this day would be any different than any others. While walking to school, a strange car pulled up next to Shapiro. A young man peered out the window and asked her if she needed a ride to school. Shapiro had been taught not to talk to strangers by her parents. But the man seemed to know her and her parents, and she was running late for school. So she decided to take the man up on the ride, but she never did arrive at the school that day. Excerpt from The Dating Game Killer, Life of a Serial Killer, Rodney James Alcala by Jack Smith. This was Rodney Alcala, and this is the good, the bad, and the pure evil. So Rodney was born Rodrigo Alcala on August 23rd, 1943, in San Antonio, in Texas. In 1951, the family moved to Mexico and within three years, the father, Raul, had left. Then 11, Rodney, his two sisters and mothers moved to suburbs of LA. In 1961, Rodney, who was 17, joined the US Army as a clerk. In 1964, he went AWOL from what was called a nervous breakdown. He went back to his mother's and was diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder by a military psychiatrist. He was discharged on medical grounds and went to UCLA School of Fine Arts. Later he studied film at NYU under Roman Polanski. His first known crime happened September 25, 1968, when people saw him take eight-year-old Tali Shapiro into his Hollywood apartment and they called police. By the time police arrived, Rodney had fled, but they did find Tally alive. She had been beaten and assaulted. An arrest warrant was issued, but Rodney went to NYU enrolling in film under the name John Berger. In 1971, he got a counseling job at a kids art camp using the name again, John Berger. In June that year, TWA flight attendant Cornelia Crilly was found dead, assaulted and strangled in her home in Manhattan. Her murder, her murder, her murder wouldn't be solved until 2011. In 1971, the FBI placed Rodney on the 10 most wanted. Months later, two children attending the arts camp were at a post office when they saw a poster for the FBI with Rodney's picture. He was arrested and extradited back to California. By then, Shapiro and her family were in Mexico and her parents wouldn't let her testify. Without this, Rodney was sentenced to just three years, of which he did 17 months, being paroled in 1974. Just two months later, he had assaulted a 13-year-old and was back in jail, again this time serving two years. Released in 1977, his LA parole officer weirdly let a, re a repeat offender and a known flight risk go to New York. At the time, Ellen Jane Hoover, who was 23, was killed and she was the daughter of Circo club owner Herman Hoover 
and goddaughter to Dean Martin and Sammy Davis Jr. So it was a huge case at the time. A case though that would sadly go cold. The timing of Rodney's arrival and Ellen's death have the NYPD believe Rodney did it, although never proven. 1978, Rodney worked at the LA Times for a bit as a typesetter. At the height of the Hillside Strangler, Rodney was interviewed by the task force as part of their investigation of known offenders. He'd be ruled out but was arrested and did time, although brief, for possession. In this time, Rodney somehow, probably with his charm, convinced men and women he was a fashion photographer and he took their photos for his quote-unquote portfolio. A Times co-worker said Rodney took the photos into work and showed them off, claiming the mams asked him to take them. But the weird and unnerving thing was those in the photos were wearing little, if any, clothes. Most of the photos went a bit too far, and most of them remains unidentified. Police have a gut feeling and fear some of those in the photos are not living anymore and many maybe more could be cold cases in 1979 monique hoyt was posing for rodney when he knocked her out cold and assaulted her before i go on i should explain the dating game name he didn't go on a dating game show and off someone nothing like that it comes from his past. In 1978, he was a contestant on a game show called The Dating Game. And when his crimes came out, it stuck. But anyway, on the game show, he was said to be weird with weird opinions. He did win the show, and the lucky woman was Cheryl Bradshaw. But she wouldn't go on a date with him, finding him very creepy. Now, from then, he killed at least three women, having some thinking the rejection of Cheryl was the spark because psychopaths do not appreciate rejection. Most of us move on. Yes, maybe a low feeling from time, but we move on, whereas psychopaths hold it, play it over and over again until the snap or reach boiling point. So June 20th, 1979, 12-year-old Robin Samso was heading to the ball her ballet class when she disappeared. Her body was found 12 days later. When police spoke to her friends, they found out that before ballet, they were at the beach, where a man claiming to be a photographer asked to take their photo, including Robin's. A detailed sketch was done up and sent out. Rodney's parole officer seen it and contacted the police. The police searched Rodney's mother's home and found a receipt of a storage locker in Seattle. When the locker was searched, a pair of Robin's earrings were found. In 1979, Rodney was arrested and in 1980 he was tried, convicted and sentenced to death for Robin's murder. But the verdict was overturned as the jury wasn't properly told about his past crimes. In 1986, a second trial lay out the exact same but without the past crimes, again convicted and sentenced to death. In 2001, this was nullified by the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals because Rodney claimed the park ranger who found Robin was hypnotised by police 
and he apparently had a witness to support us, but this wasn't allowed. I'm guessing it falls within what's fair. Anyway, a third prosecution happened in 2003. At this point, a DNA sample of Rodney's matched an assault and murder of two women in LA. More evidence and matches had four women's murder added to his conviction. The women were Jill Barcombe, who was 18, Georgia Wickstead, who was 27, Sharon Lamb, who was 31, and Jill Parentu, who was 21 also. All of them were posed carefully. Another earring was found in the Seattle locker. They belonged to Charlotte. While incarcerated, Rodney wrote a book called You the Jury, claiming his innocence and pointing blame at others. He also filed two lawsuits against the California system for a fall accident and not being provided a low-fat diet. 2003, a motion was entered to add the four to Robin's charge. Arguments went back and forth, but in 2006, it was given the green light. February 2010, Rodney stood trial on all five. So he began with declaring that he was going to be his own attorney. He took the stand for five hours. Five hours of weird circus where he spoke to himself in a deep, throaty voice as the attorney and answered in his normal voice. He'd ramble in a monotone about applying for a job when Robin was kidnapped. He showed his data game appearance, trying to claim he wore earrings and those found in the locker were his. Jed Mills, another contestant of the show, told reporters at the time men with earrings wasn't a thing and that he would have noticed if Rodney was wearing them. Rodney didn't try to argue the four added charges, other than saying he couldn't remember. Less than two days of de uh, deliberations, the jury found him guilty on all five charges. In the penalty phase, a surprise witness came, Tali Sapiro, the first known victim of Rodney's. March 2010, Rodney was sentenced to death for a third time. That same month, 120 of his photos were released to the public in hopes of finding those in them. About 900 couldn't be shown due to the untasteful nature. Within weeks, 21 women came forward identifying themselves and six families said their loved ones were in some of the photos, but had since vanished, never to be seen again. It wasn't until 2013 that a missing person or murder victim was connected to the photos. Christine Thornton, who was killed in 1982, her family recognized her in one of Rodney's photos. As of July 2022, 110 photos are still shown to the public in hopes to identify those in them. Since his 2010 convictions, more associations, charges and convictions were connected to Rodney. New York authorities said in 2010 they would not be going after Rodney as he was convicted waiting on execution. But January 2011, Manhattan indicted him for the murders of flight attendant Cornelia Crilly and the Seacrow's heiress Ellen Hoover in the 70s. June 2012, he was, broke, he was bro uh, brought to New York at first pleading not guilty to the two murders. But in December 2012, he pled guilty to both, asking to go back to California to his appeal his death sentence. January 7, 2013, 
Manhattan added 25 years to life to Roddy's conviction. Death probably would have been chosen, but the death sentence was gone from New York since 2007. In Seattle, he was a person of interest in the murders of Joyce Grant, 1978, and Antoinette uh, Whitaker in 1977. Their jewellery was found in his Seattle locker in 1979. March 2011, San Francisco announced they were confident he killed Pamela Lamson in 1977, but were no DNA or fingerprint charges were never filed. September 2016, Roddy was charged with the murder of Christine Thornton. She disappeared in 1977. Her body was found in 1982, and in 2013, a family member recognised her from a photo of Rodney's. Rodney said he took the photo, but didn't kill her. The then 73-year-old Rodney was too ill to go to Wyoming to stand trial for these charges. July 24, 2021, Rodney Alcala died of natural causes. And that is the story of Rodney Alcala. Hit that like button. If you're not subscribed, please get subscribed. And ring the hell out of that bell. Join me next time for the story of Beverly Alit, an English child serial killer who killed four children, tried to kill three more, and caused harm to another six. Her crimes happened in 1991 in the children's ward at Gratham and Keefstein Hospital, a hospital, a safe haven to make you feel better. Until then, this was the good, the bad and the pure evil.